0: as much as I wanna give God's word today. So I just wanna qualify that right out the gate. We have a lot of scripture that we need to work through and that's why I'm jumping right into it today. So Galatians chapter two, verses 19 through 21 says this, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I do not set aside the grace of God, come on somebody, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Now I wanna take us over to Galatians chapter five, verses 13 through to 16. This is a a continuation of what we talked about last week. If you were not able to get last week's message, make sure that you hop on to our YouTube um, and uh, you can find the message from last week. We'd love for you to subscribe there so you can catch up on everything, Uh, that would be massive. But this is a continuation. We read five, one through to 12 last week. Now we're gonna start in verse 13 and really dig in today. And this is, once again, Paul writing to the Galatian church, he says this, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Watch what he says, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in this one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And then watch this but if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. How many of you think that this verse right here is very, very applicable to the moment that we are living in right now? If we ever think and believe that scripture doesn't speak to what we are dealing with, it is right here where we see some of the some of the most important truths that we can grab a hold of. So today, we're gonna work through this scripture. Uh, today, as we continue on our series, Keep It Dead, I wanna speak to you from the subject, snakes and birds. Snakes and birds. As we look at living free, but not allowing our flesh to bring us back into captivity. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's, alive it is not dead it is not irrelevant that your word speaks to exactly where we are at right now personally corporately as a nation and as a world and so god right now we once again just stop we pause we open our hearts and our minds to your word the counsel of your word the challenge of your word the power of your word and in it i pray right now that you would do your great work of grace in us that your love would reorient and redefine, reshape, recalibrate who we are as people so that we may be the men and women that you've called us to be in this world, agents of grace. And so right now, we are listening, speak to us. May these be your words, not my words. In Jesus' mighty name, come on And the church, shouted, Amen. I'm gonna throw a picture up. I think, it's, I think it's ready to go. If you guys can, is it, do we have it? Boom, okay, you're not gonna be able to see all of us. This. this is our dog, Scout. Um, oh, where'd he go? There it is, okay. So this is our dog, Scout. Um, we have a fairly large backyard, and it's one of the reasons that we bought our house. My kids the other day came running inside, and they had declared to mom and I that they had caught a snake, and they had now built a habitat for that snake. And that habitat is, oh, they're switching it up so you can, might, might be able to see it a little bit better. Um, they built a habitat for that snake in this, this gray box right here. Now, just like, spoiler alert, the snake died. Um, but <laughs> So what happened was, in, in building this habitat for this snake, my dog found himself enthralled by this snake like focus on the snake, as you saw in the picture, um, he would not take his head out of the bucket. Now, I want you to get this picture because this is really important. This is a German short-haired pointer, and this dog has some issues. He's got ADHD. (laughs) There's another animal in my yard, quail. Quail. And if it's not a snake that he's enthralled with, it's a bird he's chasing around the yard. He loses his mind whenever quail into the backyard. No matter what type of command I use, no matter what type of attention I try to grab him with, no matter how I yell at him, no matter how I try to coax him, it is these birds and snakes that have him captivated. And as I was sitting on my deck the other day, watching this dog be enthralled by the snake or run around chasing these birds, I found myself a bit confused at how my dog could have all the freedom of the backyard that he is in, yet be enthralled by the snakes and the birds that run around in it. In all the space to run, in all the space to roam, in all the places he could go, in all the fun that he can have, and all the balls that he can play with, and all the chew toys that he can have, it seemed to be the snakes and the birds that captivated him. In his book, The Molecule of More, How a Single Chemical in Your Brain Drives Love, Sex, and Creativity, and will determine the fate of the human race. Writer and author Daniel Z. Lieberman discusses the role of dopamine in the human brain. He writes this very confronting and poignant truth concerning our brains and our behavior. Listen to what he writes. He says, dopamine doesn't come equipped with a conscience. Rather, it's a source of cunning fed by desire. When it's revved up, it suppresses feelings of guilt, which is an ancient in emotion. it is capable of inspiring honorable effort but also deceit and even violence in a pursuit of the things that it wants. is what he says dopamine pursues more, not morality. To dopamine, force and fraud are nothing more than tools and while this may sound like an all is doom statement. He goes on to write this very powerful follow-up statement. And I want you to hear what he wrote because Paul's trying to cue in on this as well. Listen to what he says. It's important to remember that biology is not destiny. And the issue that many of us face, however, is that we have bought into the idea that we are who we are and capable of change and therefore we will continue to remain just as we are we have conceded to the idea that who we are is just the way that it is. Tupac had it somewhat right. Great rapper, bad theologian. Because while we may think that that's just the way it is, we have to understand what Paul is saying here. And even what this author of this book is saying is that biology is not destiny. And as I watched my dog the other day being enthralled by the snakes and the birds, I found myself realizing that many times that is what we do. In the freedom that we have in Christ, we find ourselves captivated by the snakes and the birds in the world that we live in. We find ourselves captivated by the snakes and the birds in our life. And if we're not staring at the snake, we're chasing after the birds. And I'm just here to declare today, I wanna walk us through the process of what it looks like to find freedom in Christ and then stand firm in that freedom and live out in that freedom and be called according to that freedom and live a life that truly is free by his grace, his power, his love, and his spirit. See, Paul is going to argue in the opposite direction here. He's gonna argue that change is possible and that in and through Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit, change, redirection, and living in the newness that we have in Christ is fully possible. That we can actually keep dead what we tend to try and resurrect. Am I talking to anybody in church today? Now, let's create some qualifiers. Paul is not talking about perfection. Come on, everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect, get over it. Nah. Turn back to them and say, I know, neither are you, be quiet. Just a little self-disclosure in church today. Come on, if you're online spouses, just turn to each other right now and just be like, yo, you're not perfect, okay? Paul's not talking about perfection, he's talking about progression. It's interesting to me that many of us will settle for captivity because we confuse perfection with progression. And in doing so, we reject growth, we reject change, we reject forward motion in our life and faith. Writer and author C.S. Lewis put it this way. I want you to hear what he says. This is just a beautiful imagery. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts, does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting out on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. That's just C.S. Lewis. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through to 20. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. In other words, God is building a house inside each and every single one of us. And the problem is, is that while many of us are captivated by the snakes and the birds, we're ignoring the fact that God is actually trying to change us, actually trying to renew us, actually birthing something new in us. He is doing a good work of grace. You see, if we're not careful, we'll continue to chase the birds and stare at the snakes instead of living in the freedom that we have in Christ, that, that dog of mine. We have to put him on a leash on our, on our balcony, on our deck, because there's chickens in the yard as well. As we have, seriously, it's a farm at our house right now. <laughs> and so he gets really excited because he's on this leash And I want to give him freedom as a, as, a, as a dad to this dog So I go out and I let him off of his leash And he takes off running And the crazy thing is Is as he runs towards the freedom that he has in the yard I watch this dog stop dead in its tracks And stick its head in a bucket Come on, somebody, but how many of you would agree with me? We can find ourselves there really easily. Come to Christ and he sets us free and we're free from bondage and we're free from guilt. We're free from, and we take off running and all of a sudden, snake. All of a sudden, birds. All these things we're chasing around. Now I can take the allegory a little bit further and we can say what the snakes and the birds represent and you you can fill in the blanks. I guess I just wanna ask us this morning, are we living in the freedom of the yard that we have in the grace of Christ? Or are we captivated by the snakes and the birds? So what I wanna do today is I wanna take a look at three truths we must understand in order to live in the freedom that we have in Christ and not allow this freedom to be an opportunity for our flesh. That's what Paul is saying. He says, listen, you are free, you are set free in Christ, but don't use that freedom as an opportunity to stare at the birds and the snakes. Don't use the freedom to chase the things that I've set you free from. So I wanna look at those truths and then I'm gonna provide some practical decisions that we can make that allows this truth to be assimilated into our lives. Does that work for everybody this morning? Y'all ready to go? Turn to your neighbor and say snakes and birds." birds. Snakes and birds. Here we go. Here's the first truth that I need us to recognize today. Paul's gonna talk about it in Galatians What we walk in determines what we walk out. What we walk in determines what we walk out. Galatians chapter five, 16 through 18, he says, watch this. I say then, walk by the spirit and you certainly will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You hear that? For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. It's in these verses that Paul makes some very important distinctions that we cannot simply just pass over. First, he identifies the difference between the the spirit and the flesh. Now, we talked about the flesh earlier in this series and we loosely defined it as the, the totality of our humanity. But here in chapter five and chapter six of Galatians, can we work through the Bible today, is that all right? Paul will get very specific in defining what he's talking about when he uses this term flesh. The New American Commentary helps us today to clearly articulate what he's trying to define. He says this, flesh is used as an ethical term with a decidingly negative connotation. Flesh refers to fallen human nature, the center of human pride and self willing Flesh is the arena of indulgence and self-assertion, the locale in which the ultimate sin reveals itself to be the false assumption of receiving life, not as a gift of the creator, but procuring it by one's own power of living from oneself rather than from God. So this is why Paul helps us identify the difference between the spirit and the flesh. And then he'll talk about in a few moments what comes out of those those places. So Paul uses this picture of walking. How many of you agree with me that walking is a motion that many of us don't even think about? Come on, let's just work with me here today. <laughs> how many of you? How many of you got up this morning? And you're like, okay, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to walk. <laughs> oh, few, I did it. I walked. <laughs> none, none of us really think that way. Walking for most of us is a pretty benign reality. We just do it. We get up, we go to the bathroom. We get up, we go get coffee. This is my system in the morning. I get up, and, and, and then I start pick out my clothes. I get up, I go iron, and, 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 I, and then I go get in the shower, then I get dressed, and, I do, and, I'm, and I'm walking the entire time, walking and, listening to, walking and multitasking, harder for me, but still, I'm able to process it and do it, right? What Paul is trying to do is, he's trying to help us understand that walking by the Spirit can be very natural, be a very fluid part of our life, but still it comes down to a decision. So here's the first practical. I just want to us, give us some handles to grab a hold of things. Here's the first practical decision we need to make we must choose our shoes. We must choose our shoes. Someone needs to write that down today. We must choose our shoes. Now, It's not hidden that I like shoes. My wife knows that. My family knows that. So, so, be quiet. So I like shoes. And how many of you would agree with me that the shoes that you wear in any, any occasion, in any moment is super important. Come on, show Hammond. how many of you would you get down? Like some of you guys like, no, I'll just wear the same shoes. That's a problem, okay? We need to talk about that. <laughs> We're gonna do a whole series on just how to pick your shoes. <laughs> how many of you agree with me? Like the shoes that you wear is super important. How many of you know that if I walked into the gym tomorrow with these shoes on and some shorts ready to get a workout, I'm gonna receive some awkward stares? <laughs> Why? Because they're like, what are you wearing Chelsea boots to bench for? It makes no sense, right? But how many of you know that if, if I just came up, we have we have like, we have different pairs of shoes for different things that we we do. If I had dress shoes in the summertime with a pair of shorts, now I know like some of us are super hipster and we can get away with it. But <laughs> the bottom line is, is that there that are there are shoes that I must choose that go with what I'm trying to do for the day. If I'm gonna climb to the top of Mount Tippinogus, how many of you know I'm not wearing flip-flops? Come on somebody, unless you're a hobbit, you are not wearing flip-flops. While wow, we're, creating, we're creating distinctions, we understand that we must choose our shoes. Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Can I help us with a handle today that maybe, just maybe, come on online if you're with me today. We must choose the shoes of the Holy Spirit on a daily. And say, I gotta put these things on because today I'm gonna be walking through some things and I know that if I've got the right thing put on, I'm gonna walk out this life with health and vibrancy and I'm gonna see what God has for me because today I'm choosing my shoes. Here's the problem, is that today, some of us got up today and we chose the shoes of shame. So we're gonna walk in that. Today, some of us put on coming here, coming here, you chose the shoes of guilt. Here's what's interesting about guilt and shame shoes, is that you will listen to everything that's said this morning through the lens of guilt and shame, because those are the shoes that you put on when really the message that's coming out today is a message of freedom and grace. But we will see and we will hear and we will perceive what it is that we wanna see, hear and perceive, why? Because we chose the shoes that we chose. But what happens when we put on the shoes of the Holy Spirit and I choose to walk in the Spirit and therefore not gratify the desires of the flesh and therefore live in the freedom that God has for me? Come on, somebody. Anybody excited to know that we can choose our shoes? Here's the second truth. That's the, that's the first truth. This is the second truth that we need to grab a hold today. Who we are approved by determines what we adhere to. <laughs> Can I be your pastor today? Who we are approved by determines what we adhere to. Galatians chapter one, verse 10. This is earlier in the letter to the Galatians. Paul writes this. He says, for I'm, am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am, I trying, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. See, not much has changed since the beginning of time as to what causes us to say and do the things that we do. And this is the general approval and acceptance issue that we have in life, especially when it comes to people. See, one of the greatest reasons that we use our freedom for the flesh is because we are drawn into the approval of man rather than understanding that in Christ, we are already approved. See, when this happens that we then fall back on the grace and forgiveness that we have in Christ as a get out of jail free card. And this is what Paul is trying to correct. Now let's be very clear. If we make mistakes and mess things up, God has so much grace and forgiveness for us. Full stop. Come on, somebody. That's the good news of it all. God has grace. God has, When Danny messes it up, God's got all the grace and all the forgiveness. But what many of us do is because we fall prey to approval, we have a tendency to adhere to things that we don't need to adhere to anymore because what you are approved by will determine what you adhere to. So if I'm constantly striving to have man love me, I'll be honest with you as a pastor, if I'm trying to get every single person in this room over the course of our uh, services today, if I'm trying solely to make sure every single one of you like me and smile at me and everything like that, guess what? I'm not preaching the gospel, I'm preaching my opinion. Because occasionally if it doesn't hurt, we're not hearing truth. And so I've got to work through this because I'm not gonna lie, part of my personality, I want you to like me. I do. That's actually what's great about these masks right now because I don't really know what you are thinking. (laughs) Pre-COVID, you should have saw some of your faces. (laughs) Online, I'm not even worried about you. (laughs) You're just there right now watching this, right? So I don't need to worry. But as a human being, can we talk real in church today? Come on. Don't we want to be approved by people? Like, I want Darren to like me, right? He looks like a bandit right now, but I want him to like me, right? I want you to walk out of here, nice, nice, nice message, Pastor. That was awesome. That was so encouraging, everything like that. But I know there's some messages, maybe like today, we're gonna walk out and be like, just avoid him. Just, birds and snakes. We want approval, but here's the, here's the problem. One of the greatest reasons that we have a tendency to entertain our flesh is because we want approval from man. Singles, one of the greatest reasons that you entertain the desires of the flesh is because you want the approval of him or her versus the approval of God. Men, one of the reasons that we desire the way that we do and then entertain the desires of those flesh is because we want the approval of somebody that may not even be in our life anymore. What if we could chase everything that we deal with back to an approval issue? Because the more and more that I look at it, the more and more I'm convinced that a lot of the stuff that I deal with is because I'm trying to receive approval from somebody. My insecurity... If I desire approval from man, how many of you know your insecurity rages? So you're constantly performing. Do, 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 do. Like, like me, approve me, affirm me, make me feel good. Come on, am I, am I talking to anybody today in church? Okay, lengthy piece of scripture. Are you all right if we read 14 verses? Okay, it'll be on the screen. This is a lengthy but rich and very important piece of scripture for this for this reality. This is Paul writing, Romans chapter six, one through 14. He says, what then should we say? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. He he says it with an exclamation point. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self, come on somebody, was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. No more birds, no more snakes. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ having been raised from the dead will not die again, death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all time, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, because of all of this truth right here, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. One author said it like this. Finally, Paul, who wrote this, did not understand by Christian freedom the right to advocate theological anarchy within the confines of the believing community. A church that is unable to define and maintain the doctrinal boundaries of its own fellowship, or even worse, that no longer thinks it's a task is worth doing, is a church that has lost its soul. Birds and snakes. See, here's what we need to understand. We need to understand the difference between grace and Greece. See, to presume upon the grace of Jesus is to offer ourselves up up to a form of Christian relativism that undermines the power and purpose of the cross in Christ. As much as legalism diminishes the power of Christ in our lives, so does liberality. See, this truth is echoed by writer and author Timothy George as he writes this. This is one of the most serious issues facing the contemporary church today we can err either by drawing the boundaries too tightly or by refusing to draw them at all. On the one hand, we lapse into legalism, on the other hand, into relativism. See, we can say things like grace and forgiveness, I have all of that in Christ, but as Paul would say, because I have that, does that mean that I go on chasing the birds and staring at the snakes? Paul is saying, scout, You have an entire yard to run around in. Why are you captivated by that which I've defeated? If approval determines what I adhere to, then understanding that my approval is in Christ should cause a renewal and redirection in my life. Which brings us to the second practical decision we must make. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes today because some of us need this right now. We need to sign the adoption papers. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. Watch this, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. then he says this, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. Here's the truth I need us to grab a hold of today is that for many of us, we've yet to sign the adoption papers that have already been signed in blood by Jesus. Here's the gift, here's the adoption, and and you have freedom and you have grace and you have forgiveness and I've adopted you, I've grafted you in, I've given you a family, I've given you a new name, I've given you a new place to live out of, I've given you this great freedom, but for some of us, we are standing by the table with the papers on it and we are ignoring the adoption that we have in Christ because we are counting ourselves enamored by the birds and the snakes. As a pastor, I perform a lot of weddings. And one of the most important things that we do at the wedding is not getting the bride and the groom to kiss. It's a lot of fun. Have you ever noticed that is the only time we cheer for people making out in public? Just just (laughs) want to put that out there. Have you ever noticed that? The rest of the time, we're like, "Uh, oh, right? Just that's an ADD moment. But I tell the bride and the groom after we get done doing the, after we get done, I'm like, guys, don't go anywhere because they wanna go. They, want, like, they wanna just like leap and you know, do their party dance and eat food and get their money and gifts and get out of there. Like that's what they, that's like what's going on. But I'm like, guys, you need to stop. And they're like, why? Because there's this very important piece of paper that if they don't sign this lone piece of paper, it undermines the whole process of celebration. Come on, are you tracking with me today? And for some of us, we're involved in the celebration of what God has done for us, but we forgot to say, wait a second, I need to sign those adoption papers. I need to make sure that I say yes to what God has provided for me. I need to make sure that I grab a hold of what he's done and say, wait a second, this is my gift. This is my portion. This is what he's provided for me. When I'm adopted, I have a new name, new identity, new home heavenly home with a heavenly father who provides a new life and a new way for me. And here's the third and last truth. What we bow to determines what is built out. Galatians 5, 19 through 24, Paul's gonna do a compare and contrast list. He's gonna give us the works of the flesh and then he's gonna show us what the spirit does in us he says this, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things. Here's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, come on, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, this is what Paul's saying. We can bow in two different directions. And what we bow to determines what will be built out in our lives. Why? Because what we bow to provides us the raw materials that we end up building our lives with. When I was in, I don't know, fifth grade, we moved into a new housing development with my, with my mom, and my stepdad, my brothers. And I'll never forget many of you maybe who are in, in new construction areas of homes, you're like one of you know, four houses that have been built and it's all dirt plots everywhere and raw construction happening and some of the houses are being built and so it's studs and nails and everything like that. And, and in this particular neighborhood, there were dumpsters everywhere at this time that guys, the construction workers would throw out the material that they weren't using or that had been damaged and didn't work. And so we decided one day that we were gonna build a tree house in this, in this tree that was in my backyard. Now, at first swing, we thought we'll just go rip some stuff off from the new builds. Come on, you've been there, guys, right? Then we decided that's illegal. We probably shouldn't do that, so we went dumpster diving. We grabbed a bunch of broken pieces of wood and rusty nails and screws that had been bent and broken pieces of drywall. And we we took this haul back to my backyard and we worked at trying to build this tree house. And the more and more that we tried to build the tree house, the more and more frustrated that we got. Why? Because at the end of the day, we were trying to build this house with the raw materials that weren't sufficient. We were trying to build this tree house with broken scraps of wood and bent screws without the tools necessary. And I just wanna encourage us today and highlight for us today that the way that we build, the things that we have to build with are provided to us by the things that we bow to. When I bow to the glory of God, when I bow to his grace, when I bow to his love, when I find myself at the foot of the cross, I am given the raw materials needed to build a life in freedom and in grace and in love and forgiveness. But oh man, when I pick up the works of the flesh, I'm given the broken materials and I try to put my life together. I try to overcome that addiction. I try to live in such a way that doesn't put me back into bondage. But the product is still the product and broken pieces will always create a broken home. But at the end of the day, when I find myself in the grace of Jesus, it is no longer broken pieces. They are whole pieces. They are pieces that enable me to build what God has called me to build, and some of us are building with broken pieces. Some of us are trying to build this life. That's not a broken piece. That's the Bible. I need broken broken pieces. (laughs) Sorry, I'm in illustration mode right now. I need some broken wood, but we're trying to pick up the bitterness from what was done to us. Like it doesn't, f- it doesn't fit, it doesn't hold, but we leave it up there. So we pick up the fear that's encroaching upon our hearts and we try to deal with that because we believe that if we put fear together and if we put approval by men together, if I just have one more relationship with him or one more relationship with her, if it's just just one more party, if it's just one more dive into the darkness that I've lived in my, and I try to, try to build that, and then I try to stand on it, and how many of you know that it's rickety at best and will not hold for the long term? Verses, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To close with these words from C.S. Lewis seems very appropriate right now. The job will not be completed in this life, but he means to get us as far as possible before death. That is why we must not be surprised if we are in for a rough time. When a man or a woman turns to Christ and seems to be getting on pretty well, he often feels that it would now, it'd be natural if things went fairly smoothly. When troubles come along illness, money troubles, new kinds of temptation, he's disappointed. These things he feels might have been necessary to rouse him and to make him repent in, in his bad old days. But why now? And he goes on to write this because God is forcing him on or up to a higher level, putting him into situations where he will have to be very much braver, much more patient, more loving than he ever dreamed of being before. It seems to us all unnecessary, but that is because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. Which brings us to our third practical decision, and that's this, we must submit to the process of God's love and it's in that place we find ourselves in the great yard of freedom that he has for us and I can stroll right past the snakes and I ain't worried about the birds because I'm living in the great freedom that Jesus has provided for me